Right, for anybody who doesn't know, we're working through the book of Nehemiah. It's been quite an interesting journey for us. It's been really right on the prophetic edge of where we are in, in, as a church. Personally, it's been challenging, but also very encouraging. Today we're in chapter 6, and we're just going to read it up until verse 16, so 17. So if you want to get your Bibles, we'll read... Uh, Nehemiah in chapter 6. Thank you. Okay. When the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of the enemies that, had re- that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time I'd not set the doors in the gates, Sambala and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages along the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why would the work stop while I leave and go down? To you. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his assistant to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in in which was written It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore, you are bu- and therefore you are building a wall. Wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to p- become their king and even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get weak for the the work and and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Sheminil, son of Delihel. It's going to be a nightmare when we're doing numbers, isn't it? When we get to the book of numbers, it's going to be a nightmare, this. The son of Mehethabel, who was shut in at his home, he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple and save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him and that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so I would commit a sin by doing this and then would give me a bad name and to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, oh my God, because, they have d- because of what they have done, remember also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate, it, intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elu in, the, in 52 days. 
When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that the work had been done with the help of our God. Father, I just thank you so much that you are our help. And I pray, Lord, today that you would strengthen our hands. Lord, that you would strengthen us from the inside out, Lord, as we hear your word. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just release your Holy Spirit anointing in this place. Lord, we want to be people who love you from the inside out. Lord, continue to change us, mold us, shape us, heal us, set us free to be the people that you call us to be and to do the things that you call us to do. Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. We open our hearts to you, Lord. Come do what you want in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Those who are seeking to be obedient to God and wanting to be involved with his ever-increasing kingdom work on the, in the world can guarantee they'll have all, all hell thrown at them. But be encouraged. God fights for you. He removes every trap set to ensnare you and throws all your enemies into the pit that they dug for you. God's word promises that with obedience comes blessing. The promise of those who are obedient to God, not disobedient, obedient to God, and his call on their lives says that when the enemy comes at you one way, God will send him out seven other ways. It is God who fights for us. He's our refuge. He's our safe place. He's our help. It is God who is for us. And if God is for us, a lot of people. If God is for us, there can be a lot of people against us. The truth is, those running after God and his kingdom purposes, there are a lot of things that can come against you. Ultimately, the person behind all this opposition is Satan and his workers. He is opposed to God and he is opposed to God's people. He is a deceiver, a liar, a destroyer. He prowls around waiting to pick people off. The Bible makes it clear demonic powers are at work laying traps for God chasers. Satan doesn't limit himself to these demonic powers either. He also uses wicked people to lay traps. The psalmist says that the wicked have laid a snare for me. And the most tragic of all, and the saddest truth of all, 
Satan also uses blinded Christians to lay his snares. This is why it's important to take responsibility for his own walks with God, to walk in the light, to not judge others, to not try and sabotage others' walks, to remove the planks from his eyes. I'm sure I've hit you with plenty. But God calls us to pull the plank out of his eye if we want to help anybody. Often we go up to people. I used to love slap. You know, I love comedy. I know I'm quite serious today, but I love comedy. And I grew up on slapstick comedy. You know slapstick comedy? Like I grew up with Buster Keaton. Howard, they call him Harold Lloyd. Hey? Laurel and Hardy. I love it when they're carrying them planks. Do you know what I mean? They're carrying them around and then they turn and then he ties his shoelace and misses him. Yeah? And then he turns again with plank and bang, hits him in face. Christian slapstick isn't funny. It's not funny. God is calling us to remove the planks, the splinters out of his own eyes so we can really be a help to others. It's tragic. And in our text, we see a number of persistent enemies opposing Nehemiah. The three stooges, Samballat, Geshem, and Tobiah. And they've enlisted the help of some prophets. They have been in constant opposition to Nehemiah, his colleagues, and the work that they're undertaking. And this is their time for a return match of intimidation. It's one of Satan's tactics. We see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, is led out into the wilderness. And he's fast for 40 days and Satan comes to him and tries and tempts him. And he tempts him with the same sort of things that Nehemiah's been tempted with in this passage. He's tempted to take credit. Tempted to take things into his own hands. Tempted to prove himself. But as we see, Jesus submits himself to God. And the devil is sent packing with the word of God. But after the temptation, this is Satan's tactic. It says at the end, it says, he left to wait for another opportune time. And this is Sam Ballot's next opportune time. The work was coming to completion. The city was soon be secure, but it isn't yet. The doors were not fixed. No doubt fatigue, stress, and a high-pressured work atmosphere created the perfect setting for them to set the snares. They're trying to trap Nehemiah and thus stop the work. We see the first snare cast 
and it's a plot to distract and destroy him. Sambalat and Geshem sent this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. The first tactic the adversaries use is one of isolation. They want to meet Nehemiah in the desert, somewhere in a village between Jerusalem and Samaria. Once getting Nehemiah off the wall and into the desert, they could go about disposing him. They wanted to bump him off. Strike a leader in a work of God and the workers will most likely lose heart and flee from the work. Please pray for Keith and Rachel. Please pray for Pete and Kath. Please pray for me. Please pray for us community group leaders. Please pray for Andy who's leading the student work. Please pray for... Paul and Bex who are leading the youth and Rachel with the children. We have an enemy of the soul whose purpose is to kill, steal and destroy. Be in no doubt about this. He wants to isolate people and move them away from the purposes of God. And he doesn't care how he does it. Satan doesn't want you on the wall. Satan doesn't mind if you jump off it but he don't want you on the wall. And when he gets you into the desert, he can start feeding lies to you. Lie after foul lie. And then he can start to suggest even that you might even be better off if you weren't here at all. Satan is a... is a... is an enemy of the soul. But the sad reality is the people who need to hear this most are probably not here. That's why I'm glad the podcast's back up. Because if you're listening to this on podcast, you'll have to excuse me a minute. But if you're listening to this on podcast and you're wondering how on earth you've got that ear, run back to Jesus. Run back to Jesus. Submit yourself to him. Resist the devil and he'll flee. God wants you to come back onto the wall and start building again. Never done that before. You'll have to excuse me with that, but that's the reality. The people who need to hear that aren't here. Sometimes the attacks can seem relentless. Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. The enemy is persistent but Nehemiah refuses to meet with them. He sees the snare for what it is and he refuses to come down off the wall. So they throw another snare and this snare is to discredit him and intimidate him with fear. They came a fifth time. Sam Ballot sent his aide with me to, with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. You know, lies come with more authority when they wrote down. Do you know that? They seem to have, way, they seem to have more authority. And we're living in a culture where it's Facebook and Twitter 
and messaging and emails. It's an open letter. And what we need to do is make sure we're not propagating lies and criticism and harsh words. But we're propagating the truth. We're propagating love. We're encouraging one another daily. They also try and use the fear factor and, tim- and intimidate him through fear. You see, the adversaries knew which buttons to press. And they pressed the button, what Nehemiah had, with the fear of the king. In chapter 2, it said that they were in the presence of the king and he was, very, he was much afraid. This is another effective tactic of Satan. He tries to trap people into fear. And he'll use whatever fear he can. Fear of man, fear of rejection, fear of death, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of sickness, fear of abandonment. If he can cast a fear in someone's life, it can make you come down off the wall and keep you from a faith-filled and fruitful life. God wants to reveal and break fear where it has snared us in his life. God's been doing it in my life. God's been breaking fear in my life. I've come to realise as I've been walking as a Christian and Uh, moving into a place of leadership. But all just life. That fear has been a snare for me. And what fear's done, it's made me compromise. It's It's made me not do what I ought to do. It's led to anxiety. Depression, suicide attempts. And God's been showing me over this last few months or so where this fear has entered in. And he's been bringing painful memories to the surface. Times when I've been abused in lots of different types of abuse. All what I experienced as a child and as a young man. And it's left me incredibly fearful in life. But most notably, God's been showing me a fear of man. You see, you might have noticed I've been getting a bit more serious over this last few months. Because what I used to do I used to make people laugh so they wouldn't hit me. Because if you make people laugh, they don't hit you. And I use me, I, I use my personality to hide. I use my personality to feel accepted. I use my personality to get approval. 
I either use my personality to feel affection. And all the time, I were dying inside. And God, as you, if you know some of you, that God's been breaking into my life and dealing with these painful issues in my life. And he's been setting me free from fear. And I'm trying to find who I am now again. <laughs> Some people call it a midlife crisis. I set out at the age of 37 not to have a midlife crisis, <laughs> right? I look back in my journal, and then I've got a journal entry saying, Lord, I'm going to choose not to have a midlife crisis, but I'm going to choose to find out who you say I am. And from that point... As I've looked back, God has started to show me who I truly am in his eyes. So I've no longer need to be the class clown. I no longer need to gain your approval or feel accepted by you or feel affection from you because God has done it from the inside out. I seen this this week, I thought it'd be great just to, this is Ed Welch, he's a biblical counsellor and he offers an helpful definition of what fear of man is. The fear of man can be summarised this way, we replace God with people. Instead of biblically guided fear of the Lord, we fear others. When we're in our teens, it's called peer pressure. When we're older, it's called people-pleasing. Recently, it's been called codependency. With all these labels in mind, we can spot the fear of man everywhere. And under this definition, I think we all said we couldn't have suffered from this. And we've all been guilty of this. You can fear man in two ways. Buckle under the, those who are against you, like Nehemiah was tempted to do. Or cater for those around you, like caving into peer pressure. Whichever the case, here's what the fear of man really is at its very core. It's slavery. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I've been running to Jesus because I've found him to be my refuge, my safe place, my healer, and my strong deliverer. If fear is gripping you, run to Jesus. Open your heart up to him and receive his love. His love does change everything. And then you'll find you can resist the devil and he's got to go. He's got to flee. His perfect love truly does cast out all fear. And true Christian character is developed not in the absence of fear but with God-empowered presence and his help to do the right things 
not compromising, even in the face of your deepest fears. Nehemiah submits to God and refuses to give in to fear, but remains on the wall and on task. Final scenario we'll just quickly look at is a plot to deceive him. Now, Nehemiah is probably going to see this man who's housebound at the moment because he needed a friend. When you're under intense opposition, it's really good to have friends. And he goes and sees this man, a trusted friend, supposedly a man of God. But it turns sinister. And Nehemiah soon realizes that this old friend is now in league with the adversary. He has been paid to prophesy against him. There's nothing more painful than when a close personal relationship breaks down. When somebody breaks your trust. And when somebody's got spiritual authority over your life, when they do it, there's nothing more devastating. There is nothing more effective than making you get down off the wall than broken relationships or abuse, spiritual or any other kind. There's nothing more effective than stopping your building. God wants to remove the snares and set people free from pain so they can start building again. Run to Jesus. He's your refuge, your strength, your safe place and an ever-present help in times of trouble. Submit yourself to him. Open your heart up to his love. You'll be able to resist the devil and he'll flee. The enemy will try and lay whatever snare is possible to make you get down off the wall and away from the purposes of God for your life. God is at work revealing and breaking every snare that was set up against Nehemiah. And God is at work doing it here at Freedom Church in Chester with us. God fights for you. He is our help, our healer, our deliverer, and he has good things for us to walk into. I just want to read you Psalm 124. If the Lord has not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared up against us, the floods would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the foulest snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker 
of heaven and earth. And when all our enemies hear this, and all the surrounding nations, they were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence because they realized that God's, that, that this work had been done with the help of God. Run to Jesus. Is your help, your refuge, and your safe place. And is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Hebrews says, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you'll not grow weary and not lose heart. Jesus knew what it was to be opposed. Jesus knew what it was to be opposed doing the Father's work. Jesus knew what it was to be tempted in every way, yet it was without sin. Jesus knew when he was opposed by wicked men. He was opposed by them and led out of a city and killed. He was nailed to a cross and killed. Jesus knows what it is to be beaten, abused, scorned and put to shame. Jesus knows what it's like to have false witnesses testify against him and say all kinds of lies. Jesus knows what it is to be abused by spiritual leaders because they put him to death. Jesus knows the anguish that's in every heart. Jesus knows the fear that is inset in human hearts. He knows every life circumstance. He knows every life-threatening circumstance. And he knows every heartbreak. Jesus knows. And he cares. God knows. And he's provided a way. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His son has every answer to the opposition we face in life. Every snare and sin that so easily entangles has been broken through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Our greatest opponent has been defeated. There's not one of us in here who isn't going to face death. And death has been defeated. The snare has been broken with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that same power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. Springing us from every trap. Bringing into completion the work God has started in us.
God is our help. What snares are God removing in your lives? What does he want to do? Are you living as a slave? Or are you living free? Are you captured by sin? Or released and running into his purposes? Are you walking in healing? Or are you walking wounded? Hobbling along, broken? Are you stood firm on the wall in Jesus? Or in the desert being lied to? Freedom into about a set of spiritual rules. Rules that bring self-improvement and makes us feel better about ourselves. True freedom only comes from knowing God and his love through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing God and receiving his love breaks every snare and releases us to love him with our whole lives. How will we know at Freedom Church if we're involved with a move and a work of God? Surely it's going to be this, that the world will see an uncompromising, passionate people who are loving God, loving each other, and loving the world around them. That's true freedom. 